You're listening to the NBS Podcast with me, Bradley Goldman, sports nutrition specialist and creator of the nutrition program NBS that swept through the Peloton community. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome and buckle up for our no bullshit approach to all things fitness, nutrition, and much more. If you're returning for this week's episode, welcome back. Clear the room of any little ears, turn the volume up, and let's get to this week's episode. Hey guys, and welcome back to this week's episode of the NBS podcast. Uh, we have two of uh, my favorite guests that we've had on uh, today. I'm going to have a Brooke, who's our senior registered dietitian here at NBS. She's going to co-host with me and we have our Mr. Monthly regular back, Mr. Mike Dola. Mike, say hello. What's up, everybody? So this, this is a is- monthly thing. I'm going to have to start charging for my time. You are, you are. Uh, I'm actually not sure when this episode is going to release. So if you guys know, uh, this is October 13th when we're recording this. Uh, I think Mike's episode, this will probably not release for at least another month. Um, But Brooke, why don't you say hi too? Hi, everybody. Uh, Brooke's a senior registered dietitian here at MBS. She's also starting to co-host on a couple of our episodes. So let's catch up with these two really quickly since you guys haven't heard from Mike since I think episode four or five and you haven't heard from Brooke since episode one. So Mike, real quick, since we spoke to you last and by we, I mean me, um, Liv was born. Liv was, I think, three weeks or four weeks the last time we spoke. Yeah, she's almost six now. Yeah, she slept. This is kind of crazy, and I probably shouldn't brag about it, but she slept two days in a row at eight hours straight. I, I could so if I was still in the sleeper, man. Yeah, I would. I would punch you in the face if I was there because yeah, my yeah, daughter yeah. didn't sleep for eight hours until she had about ten months. I just heard her crying though. So yeah, <laughs> very cool, very cool. So she's she's growing. Um, Stronger you still doing very yeah, well. Still doing its thing next week, actually. Well, which would actually pass now by the time this is airing. We have our staff summit. So about 50 or so of our people are getting together in Minneapolis at the self-esteem brands HQ. We're going to do a lot of learning and development, uh, lots of fun stuff, eating lots of good food. So I can't <laughs> wait to see everyone because I haven't seen a lot of the team in a couple of years. It's probably going to be all ketogenic food, right? It's going to be keto friendly. It's going to be, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, uh, all Arbon based. So no, none of that. (laughs) They actually have this thing that's really awesome in Minneapolis. It's called the Juicy Lucy. It's a burger stuffed with cheese. And you have to be very careful when you bite it because it's like lava when it comes out. And the place, like I, I'm a big French fry snob. There's certain French fries in this world that are super delicious and others are not. McDonald's has really good fries. And this place, this hole in the wall place in Minneapolis, I think it's called Max's. I may have made that up. So if you Google it and you don't find it, I apologize for <laughs> distracting you. But they have fries that are, are similar to McDonald's. They're cool. so good. That's, that's pretty ridiculous. All right, cool. So Team Summit, Minneapolis, lots of food. Liv is doing well. I was going to ask you about one other thing. Uh, Mike, where are you? Uh, wow, guys. Uh, everything's oh, that's what I was gonna ask you, man. So, last time we spoke, we talked about the home gym, which we know is my favorite topic to talk about, uh, outside of things that have to do with uh, calories in, calories out. Um, but the home gym, how is fighting off the dad bod going? Oh, it's fine, man. Like, I just I prioritize my health and fitness like everyone should, and it just just so you guys know, I just I just verped in my mouth a little bit. Listening to you say the cheesiest line ever. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I know. And I said it like that on purpose, yes. but it is like, it's not as easy as it was, but I mm-hmm. just do things to set myself up to make it easy. Yeah. Um, it's definitely is a different story. It's different. Mom, story. Yep. Dads have it easier. hundred percent. I think you should say that one more time. Dads have it easier. 100%. 
Exactly. And for any dad that wants to win, uh, win over the audience here. Yeah. I was going to say though, but let's be honest. Like, any dad that is, is like, no, we work just as hard. Come on. We're not breastfeeding. We didn't carry the baby. No, you don't. Exactly. Brooke, what's yeah. going on? Not much. Just been lifting in my home gym that you helped me kit out. So yep. Yep, yep. excited about that. Very cool. And just yes. for those of you that are listening that won't see the video file of this, Brooke's cheeks are up to her eyelids right now because I'm pretty sure she's a mix of nervous and excited to be on the second podcast. Oh, this is Don't be, it's so weird. You know, I used to be so nervous about this stuff and then I'm like, we're just talking. We're just hanging out. That's true. It's just we recorded. Are. So if you say anything stupid, just a bunch of people are going to hear it. It's not yeah, no big deal. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's not like when Mike posts that he's on our podcast, like we get an influx of traffic that goes through the roof, but that's fine. No big deal. Uh, Brooke, tell us, <laughs> Brooke, uh, since actually, since we spoke to you last, um, you were still just a senior registered dietitian um, at MBS, but your role has, uh, your role hasn't changed uh, necessarily in terms of your position, but your role uh, for the company has changed a little bit. You want to tell us a little bit about that? I mean, yeah, like we're growing and we're going to be bringing on more dietitians, which is super exciting. So training's involved and I'm loving that. Um, and am I missing something? No, no, no. I was just, no, awesome. <laughs> you're, um, I had to, I had to let you say that because Mike, when, when MBS first started, one of the things that Mike told me, and I'm sure you guys will remember this from uh, episode four with Mike, uh, was to hire out, hire out, hire out. Mike was, you need Mike was a yeah, Mike, Mike was like, he was trying to tell me from the jump, Bradley, hire yesterday. You are way in over your head. And then finally, I listened. And then I found you. Um, and actually, since then, uh, we have uh, Jennifer Barker. She officially starts November 1st. She's going to be um, our sports nutrition specialist. She's going to work with our macro members. Um, she's also running our Instagram, uh, which will be, which yeah, will be good. I know who she is. I see her on the, on the social Miles, medias. Yeah. yeah, Miles Muscle Motivation. She's always on the OPP. Um, and yeah, and Brooke, you're, you're interviewing registered dietitians right now, which is yes. pretty cool. So yeah. All right. Very cool. easy, right? Like today. you have to, that's the thing with like, we have, you know, a bunch of RDs as well. And you have to, anyone you hire, you have to assess and make sure they fit with the, the company culture, the ideologies, because this field is, it's a, it's a wacky one. So you have to have people on the same page. Agreed. So really, let's let's actually talk about that real quick because Mike, you have a lot of experience with this, and I mean, Mike, I'm I'm shocked I'm not getting a pat on the back from you saying, Bradley, I'm so happy you're not the one running all the interview process. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I don't need a pat on the back. But Brooke, when it comes to um, the registered dietitians that we're talking to and and people that we bring on in the future, um, in your mind, outside of education, because look, if they come to us, you know, we require your your that you're an RDN. Right? We usually require some kind of extra us. Uh, sports nutrition or uh, sports-based certification, um, something a little extra. What are the top three things you look for when it comes to bringing on a registered dietitian over to MBS? Well, a big thing for me is obviously they need to have a good personality. Like if I curse in front of someone and they're like, oh, no, that's one thing. <laughs> Second thing is they need to be okay with prioritizing protein. And I know that, you know, you guys discussed it on the last podcast, um, but a lot of dietitians are really like, I feel their recommendations for protein are very underwhelming. Um, and I know that we've been taught a lot, you know, if you have kidney disease, that's one thing, but even I think 
research has shown recently that higher protein diets with end stage kidney disease, not like super like where you're about to get on dialysis, but like you do need the protein for tissue repair um, and stuff like that. So I don't know, I guess that research came out many, many years ago, and it's just kind of been regurgitated and things like that. But a high protein diet is very beneficial. So that's definitely something that we would look for in someone to feel the same way. And then the third thing. Oh, oh, yes. The third thing. Um, What would be the third thing? Uh, Like, I mean, as far as using things like protein shakes, like artificial sweeteners and things like that, you know, like if you're all like, oh, like I want people to eat only whole foods and clean, like, fuck that. No. (laughs) Uh, Well, I mean, really, though, because it's not realistic. A lot of people have a really hard time hitting their protein targets. And if something like a core power shake, which like I just had one this morning, that's like, you know, I will have probably one every single day. I mean, it just makes things easier for people. And I know Bradley and I talked about this on our podcast, Mike and Bradley, you just talked about it. There's chemicals and everything and this whole like good and bad food thing I don't do. And I know Bradley and you also, Mike, don't feel that way. So it's, it's frustrating to watch people that like hide from help because they think there's some food rule they're breaking. Yeah. That's not, that's not necessary. They, I think, I think Brooke, Brooke hit it on the head. I feel like uh, people glorify the health halo. I know I just threw a lot of, you know, I just kind of made a phrase there, but for those of you that don't know what the health halo is, well, you'll hear this on the next podcast that we do. Uh, but like the whole foods, the Trader Joe's, the organic, the non-GMO, if you don't really know what you're looking for and you're looking for something that says, you know, organic or uh, what's the other one? Uh, even if, honestly, if you look at fat-free, sugar-free, okay, just because something's fat-free or sugar-free doesn't mean it's calorie-free. Dude, my um, gummy the, bears, they're, they're fat-free and they yeah, have to say it oh. on the package. And I'm like, like, listen, like, right. Gummy bears are cool. Like you can work them in here and there, but it, it's marketing, the health halo effect. It's marketing to people who see words and think it equates to health. The new yeah. thing that I've seen with the health halo is high protein snack. For you guys that don't know, my daughter is one year old. She turned one on September 21st. I'm not fucking kidding on an infant snack. It said high protein snack. How many grams of protein for this whole thing? Two fucking grams. Two. Two grams. It was 120 calories. So just so you guys know, that's eight of those calories came from protein. And it was marketed as a high protein snack. So fuck the health halo. Yes. There's tons uh, of that. There's, you, you see it on the, on the protein bars, high protein. Oh, what is it? Nine on some of these? Nine, things? but yeah, it's yeah. got, you know, it's got 11 grams of fat and, you know, yeah. 24 grams of carbs anyway. So this is a they, perfect, right, why don't they call it a carb bar or a fat bar? Because they know they won't sell it. So they sell it by putting high protein to people who hear protein is cool, but don't understand how much they're supposed to be eating. So really what you're telling me is we need to now, instead of having the ketogenic diet, we're going to have the carbogenic diet is what we're all going to start marketing, right? Yeah. I would honestly, I would say that one's probably better if we created it. (laughs) Anyway, this is a perfect segue guys. Actually, today's topic, what we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about um, your metabolism and specifically, or how to actually quote unquote, speed it up or what most of you guys want. You want to know how to burn fat faster. We get questions all the time, the three of us um, about, you know, what is the most optimal 
optimal ratios for you know fat burning? What is the most optimal food? What is the superfood? What is the superpower of the fat burning? We're going to jump all into that right now. So let's start it off. Let's go over to Brooke. Talk about her favorite thing to talk about walking and neat. And let's talk about that being a big part of what we call quote unquote speeding up or what people think is quote unquote speeding up your metabolism. If you don't mind, Brooke. Yeah. I mean, so as everyone knows that has listened, I'm a big walker. I walk a lot. Um, and I think in general, we just don't move enough. And, you know, when people hear like, you know, move more, eat less. They're just like, okay, I need to like kill myself at the gym more, you know, but that's not true. And also, you know, people are like, oh, walking's not hard enough, but it's a really great way to get more movement in and not put a lot of stress on your body. So, I mean, I can't speak to the benefits of walking enough. Plus you get the whole mental benefit too, where it helps relax you and relieve stress. Um, I mean, I'll often like read emails while I'm walking, which is probably not the most safe because where I live has no sidewalks, but you know, like (laughs) it's, it's, I I will multitask. I will save my favorite podcasts for when I walk and things like that. Um, I really look forward to them. So there's so many benefits to that. Um, and just increasing our steps. If you're completely sedentary, adding a walk or two into your day, even if it's not that long, it's going to be very beneficial for your health. And I think we can, I, you know, Mike, I, I'll let you jump in, in a second, but Brooke, just for you guys that listened, um, Brooke, even though she's a registered dietitian, Brooke didn't lift or do anything really outside of her walking for the most part for the better part of what, a year and a half, two years? Yeah. And I, I mean, I did have some weights, but nothing like I have now. Right. Um, and Brooke, so. Brooke maintained her weight. Brooke sat around a maintenance level for that period of time. And I can tell you right now, Brooke doesn't eat like a bird. <laughs> Brooke is not, Brooke doesn't shy. We're just talking about, I don't know if it was on the, was this before we recorded talking about French fries, but we're talking uh, about French fries and burgers before we started recording. No, I and think Brooke's, we recorded. Yeah. We oh, were talking we? about that on air. Yeah. Uh, we were? Okay. We oh. Were, oh, 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 yeah, well. we were. Anyway, so back to the burgers. If you guys can't see it, Brooke's eyes lit up like fireworks. I mean, the it's not like she's, you know, just throwing back, you know, lettuce and, and protein every day. Um, and she and she was able to maintain that. Why? Because her her walking, she was getting, you know, she gets 17 to 20,000 steps a day. That's probably quadruple what I get. And I would say at least double what Mike's gets. Um, because I'm pretty sure both of us, well, Mike's, Mike's a new daddy right now. So maybe you're, you're getting steps in while rocking, but for me, for the most part, I'm stuck in a chair for 10 hours a day and I don't, I don't get that. So, um, Mike, you want to jump in on the importance of walking and metabolism? I, I just love the topic of metabolism because I think, and I'm probably stepping back a little bit here, but metabolism, when people ask about it, they don't literally mean metabolism, which is, you know, all the, all the processes of the human body, they mean, how can I burn fat? And when we look at it, if you look at the biggest calorie burner, basal metabolic rate, just living the second one for most people, typically outside of endurance athletes is the knee, the walking, the general movement. So we're skipping to like step three, which is exercise. The third lowest because we don't want to move or we don't appreciate the the movement of walking or fidgeting or cleaning or petting a dog. That's the thing that is most affected other than uh, in our environment, other than the amount of food we're eating these days. People simply do not move like they used to. 
And then when you tell them, like we're having this conversation, there's still people that are listening that says it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. Absolutely. I don't know how much research needs to come out for people to believe that we are in this position of an extremely obese country because of not just food, but because of a lack of movement. So I don't want to like scare people into moving. I just want to encourage them. It matters way more than you think. Even when Mm -hmm. you think you know, you still don't know how important it is. It is the reason that so many people that you might know that you say, oh, they eat whatever they want. Or when they say, oh, it's my age. It's not your age. We have research for that now. Another massive study came out a couple, what, months ago. It's it's not the age. It's it's the lifestyle change when you age. A -hmm. lot of that is the general movement. When you're 17, 18, 20, whatever, you're moving around a lot more than when you're 30, 40, 50, 60. You're sitting down. Things hurt more. You have a job. It's just, it gets me so amped up because no one's looking at it. If and we even, this thing that someone can do. If we even looked at, you know, I don't, I don't know what the study's looking at, but let's look at it. I'm sure that there's going to have to be a study done. If we look at 2020, if we look at 2019, 2020, and 2021, and we look at, let's say, weight trends among, you know, certain, you know, male versus female and certain age demographics. I'm sure if we look at weight trends from 2019 to 2020, we are going to see a huge increase, even with the influx of at-home fitness being purchased. We're going to see a huge increase because so many people, myself included, I went from a job where I was on my feet 10, 12 hours a day to I went to a job where I literally sit on my ass for 10 and 12 hours a day. And I love it. I love my job. I'm very happy. I love MBS. I like sitting my ass. I get to talk to you guys. But at the end of the day, my caloric intake had to be adjusted significantly. Not like, oh, I dialed it back a couple hundred calories. No, I went from my activity level being like times one point, probably 1.43, 1.475 to 1.2, maybe 1.375, depending on where I'm at in my programming, because I literally, I move five hours a week, five hours a week. I move. Yep. That's I, I'm sorry to say my structured movement is probably five hours a week where prior my movement was 40 hours a week, 45 hours a week. And people don't realize, I'm sure if we look again, going back to the importance of just moving your walk, if you were at the office, if you went to the office and you walked to lunch, now you're at home in a pandemic. Now, instead of walking to lunch, you're walking to the kitchen. Your step count is significantly lower. Mike, I think every time I've talked to you now, I mean, now that your daddy is different, but prior to that, I would talk to you in the stronger you office and you'd be pacing around. You'd be in the office. You'd be pacing around. Sometimes you'd be sitting or you'd be like walking to your car. But every time since I've talked to you recently, you're usually sitting. Yeah. And Brooke, I mean, you get out and walk now, but like you spend most of your day sitting unless you make a conscious effort to go out for a walk. You could easily spend most of your day just sitting down, especially now with, you know, our, everyone's life has changed since the pandemic. So yeah, if we just look at just the last, you know, two years, we're going to see the importance of that in terms of, uh, you know, not, I don't want to say speaking of metabolism in terms of burning fat. But it is, but that's what like in layman's terms, right? Like if the way people are describing metabolism, calorie burn, like right. if you want to speed things up and there's things like we can even talk about BMR, how people, uh, you know, people claim my metabolism is slow. And it's like, oh boy, you have Let's significant go. <laughs> weight to lose. Your metabolism is not slow because 
you're heavier and your energy demands are much greater than a smaller version of you. Absolutely. So what could happen is when you lose 50 pounds, your metabolism will go down because it doesn't need as much gas to fuel the tank. That's not a bad thing. That's very it's, normal. But the world makes it us think that if you don't have a metabolism that's speedy, there's something wrong with you. But most of the ones, and this is anecdote, most of the ones I see who claim my metabolism is slow, have significant weight to lose. And by definition, their metabolism is not slow. And when they get checked out by the doctor and they say, nothing's wrong. I've had clients get upset when the doctor said nothing was wrong. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. That means that means it's your fault. It. Yeah. You know, I hate saying it like that. It's in our control, right? But it is. It's if, if the weight's not coming off and we're completely healthy, what is it? It's this messed up food environment. It's that we snack more than ever. People, you know, mm -hmm. like I said on the last podcast, people hate when I tell them to reduce snacking. It's caloric oversights everywhere. It's no steps. It's a lack of self-awareness. And if this is the no bullshit podcast, right? Like <laughs> let's, let's call it out. Like there is a major problem. People have been eating carbs and things like that since the dawn of time. People yep. did not used to have this much excess body fat. So what is it? Did, did our genes somehow switch gears in the last couple hundred years? No, it's that we eat more than ever and we move less than ever and identifying how to improve those things is the magic bullet for everyone. But you have to acknowledge that. Which is hard. You know, uh, it's nobody. <sighs> no one wants take, to be I wrong. Right, I was going to say, I no I one feel like wants to be wrong. I take shots all the time. And for some reason, I just bit my tongue. I'm not going to bite my tongue. No one wants to, no one wants to own it at the end of the day. No one wants to own their shit. You know what I mean? And it, it, there are very few times I can probably count on two hands where we've had members that have had no success with high compliance who, after I said, look, here's what I think you should go to an endocrinologist who specializes in either men's or women's health get checked out nine out of 10 times, those people who were highly compliant came back. They're like, I have an underactive thyroid. My testosterone's out of whack. My estrogen's out of whack. But it, that's, that's a whole different, that's such a small portion of the population. It is. The greater, yeah. The greater portion of the population, like you said, caloric oversights, um, lack of movement, or let's go, let's segue into this lack of protein in your caloric intake. Right. If you're, if, and this is perfect. We were just talking about this before. The benefits of protein, I mean, I could we could spend a whole a whole podcast, multiple episodes of a podcast talking about protein. But my favorite thing, and like I just posted about this on Facebook, 1600 calories, yes, is let's I'm just using 1600 calories, it's 1600 calories. If that puts you into a deficit, you should lose weight if you are truly consuming 1600 calories. Now, if you're on a ketogenic diet and 50% of your calories are coming from fat, I'm gonna let you two take over from here and talk about how that kind of pans out. Oh, go ahead. I'm 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 a little excited. You you. <laughs> no, I'm not. You go, Mike. <laughs> so so this, this is. I posted about this the other day too. This is why macronutrients make a little bit more sense than just calories when it comes to fat loss because calories are calories. They're a unit of measurement, like we talked about last time. But food is not food. Where that food comes from determines how many calories you can absorb. Protein mm -hmm. has a higher thermic effect than carbs and fat. So every time you eat protein, you basically spend a little bit of caloric money to digest it and process it. 
the other macronutrients, carbs and fat are not as high. Fat is actually the lowest. So if you were to eat, say 1600 calories of mostly carbs and fat versus a good distribution of protein, carbs, and fat, you could theoretically store more body fat because you're not burning as many calories. So that's why it's not as simple as, oh, this food has 300 calories. Well, what is it made up of? Because mm-hmm. if it's not protein, it is probably closer to 300 and not like 286 or whatever. And that's, you know, it sounds in- insignificant, but it's a big part of why, like, Brooke and I were just getting excited about protein. And that's why, like, w- with the registered dietitian schooling, sometimes what I've gotten from our registered dietitians is the lack of strategic eating in the criteria. And protein is not just for physiology, it's for psychology. And when you have more protein, you're more full. Yep. And for some reason, the people at the front of the line or the registered dietitians in many schools are being taught to give the RDA amounts of protein. Okay. But then all those other calories are going to be filled up with carbs and fat, Mm -hmm. which is again, not bad, but it's not as useful of a tool as the protein. And if we go back, if we go back, let's take this full circle back to the last topic we were talking about, talking about, you know, expended energy. Yep. Carbs and fats, let's I'm not gonna get into it. Let's not get into the Krebs cycle and glycogen storage and, and all that shit. But carbs and fat, essentially, what we're using those for is to to move, to expend energy. Let's talk about, you know, let's say to work out. Let's make it really vague. For you to work out, you're gonna need X amount of energy. If you're a Peloton rider and you do like the Pelafundos, you know that for a Pelafundo, you have to you have to have snacks and proper things because at you know mile 20, mile 30, mile 40, mile 100, if you don't eat, you're gonna bonk. You're gonna you're gonna tap out. Your legs will literally stop moving. I tell people all the time on the FTP test, if your legs physically stop in the last like 90 seconds, you're not wrong. Anytime I've done an FTP test, my legs around 60 to 90 seconds, very literally, no matter what my brain is saying, they stop moving. You're out of juice. uh, (laughs) You're out of juice. You're out of, uh, okay. And that juice is your glycogen stores, typically your fat stores, typically. And if you're consuming a 1600 calorie diet and you're a sedentary human being, I hate to say it to you guys, I want you guys to take a real look. Most of you are actually sedentary. I don't care if that you work out one to three times a week. If you work out five times a week. You're more sedentary. You're not Michael Phelps. I'm more sedentary than I want to admit. Um, but if you're having 1,600 calories of 50% or let's say 60%, actually, if we're looking at a ketogenic diet, coming from or 50% coming from fats, 30% coming from protein, and only 20% coming from carbs, in theory, but you're sitting on your ass most of your life, yeah. why do you need all that energy? Why? Because because this is why, because someone posts something or says something that says food is fuel and everyone gobbles it up. No pun intended. That's why I kind of hate that line because food is not just fuel. Food is lots of things. If you eat, it's not like putting a, a battery in the back of a kid's toy and the thing goes. Digestion takes time. So food is not just fuel. But when people think that, they think that I need more. And what do we see in these Peloton groups? Oh my God. Oh, I'm I'm, tired. I'm I'm not getting results. I can't pedal like I used to. Someone's like, you need to eat more. It's like, no, 
Why is that the first? Why is that the first suggestion? That's always the first suggestion for these people. And it's from someone that thinks food is fuel. Yes, it is. But you're probably not pedaling like you used to because maybe you're stressed the fuck out. Maybe you're not sleeping. Maybe you're working out at another time than you used to. So those are, to me, the lowest hanging fruit. I'm not going to add more energy to you when your goal is to lose fat. I'm going to work with what we have and then identify what the real issue is. Absolutely. I, I, I fucking love these conversations. These are great. But talking about fat and before I shift just a little bit, do you want to add into that in the topic of the importance of protein? I mean, also when we're in a fat loss phase, we're at more risk for losing lean mass and that will help prevent that from happening. Um, so, I mean, protein is so important for so many reasons. So, yeah, I love I that point. That. And that's what you see when a lot of people try to lose weight on like traditionally low protein diets, they lose a bunch of muscle too. And then that will affect their metabolism yep. a, a little bit. It's not, you know, the biggest thing in the world, but it does, it does count. Yeah. So you, you guys are just teeing me up for all the segues. They're going to lose a little bit. They're going to lose lean muscle, which is going to make them look soft. They're still going to think they look bad, but then that kind of segues me into my next topic. The import, let's look at muscle versus fat in terms of people that have more muscle mass. I'm not saying your bodybuilders. I'm going to go to that extreme in a second with this conversation, but I'm saying people who have a higher muscle to fat ratio in terms of percentage in their body are more efficient with their digestion. They can consume, let's say me, I weigh, I'm five, eight, weigh 182 pounds, 182, 181. I don't know. So we're in there. And let's take my, my body fat is probably sitting around. I don't know. I'll say 12%. Okay. 12%, maybe closer to 15. If we took the same person, they're, they're a male, they're five, eight, they're 33, they weigh 182 pounds, and they have a body fat percentage of 20 plus percent body fat. I'm going to let you and Brooke take it away on the, the difference between the two. Go ahead, Brooke. Oh, well, I mean, I was just going to add that you will burn more calories at rest if you have more muscle. Yep. So that's like a really important thing that I just wanted to throw in there. Um, I you mean, stole my answer. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's, I mean, I was going to say, I was trying to kill you guys up for that one. I think that that is like the main thing here. I mean, Mike, I don't know if you want to add to that, but that, that was going to be my main point. Yeah. That, that is to me the point. And that's why I hate these fad diet crash diet protocols, because every time someone loses weight on them, they lose muscle and then they're Mm -hmm. left with a frame that burns less calories at rest. Yeah. Your your muscle wasting. It's ridiculous. It's if you don't prioritize protein. Yeah. yeah. If you don't prioritize protein, it's like it, you look at people that as we age, as we age, if we look at studies and we look you at general population, you lose muscle. But why is that also happening? How do we prevent that? For, let's say, look, you got a bad knee, your hip hurts, you're getting old. Great. If, if you look at most, if you look at a home and I think at a, I don't know, I'm going to say it wrong, but let's say a home where you go when you're a little too old to take care a of yourself. A nursing home. A nursing home. Brooke, you, I'm pretty sure you worked at one, right? I did for a long time. Right. And how much, and were you running the pro, the nutrition program there? I was helping. Yeah. You were helping. helping. Yes. If more homes 
would prioritize protein in older age, how much less would we, yeah, Brooke's face right now, how much more, yeah, how much better would, you know, our posture be? How much more, how much less, you know, let's talk about the physical things. How much less would our skin sag? Um, How much less would we deteriorate? How, how, How can we slow down as we age if we increased our protein intake or kept our protein intake constant as we age? It's really not that much different than when you diet. These crash diets that are like, you're going to lose 30 pounds in 30 days. You know what? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You know what? what? We can all do that. A lot that. of it's going to be muscle. Yeah. You're going to burn through all the good stuff and you're going to look even shittier than when you started. Yeah. Yeah. And that's like, we, we have to emphasize resistance training too, because if you just eat protein, but aren't lifting, like it's not going to be as effective. So resistance train, push yourself. Like you said, Brad, about um, if you're not progressing, you're just moving your body. You're not working out. So you got to push yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And then let's talk. I I love this. This takes us into when people are talk about if we're talking about movement and all that and calorie deficits and all that, the first thing people want to throw out for people that aren't currently having successes, but my fitness tracker says I burned 2,500 calories. It lied to you. And one, one, it lied they're to not you. accurate. No. And two, they're not accurate unless you're getting like, uh, you know, you're testing your glucose levels after your workout before and after and like yeah. your oxygen no, levels. No one, yeah, right. No one has access to the things that are going to give them accurate enough information on caloric burn. Like it's hard enough in labs. <laughs> so that's like the thing with me. It's like these things, these Pelotons, these uh, you know, tonal, everything that gives you a tracker is going to be a little off. And my, like, I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all, but I feel like it's in the best interest of all these machines to tell you you're burning more calories. So you get a higher reward because people literally look at Ooh. caloric burn as a reward. So yeah. think about that, right? If you pedal for an hour and it tells you 260, you're going to be like, what the hell? I got ripped off. That's all I got, but that might be the reality. And then when you think about it, if you're burning calories at rest anyway, you didn't even burn a net 260. You would have burned maybe a hundred anyway in that hour. And these are just arbitrary numbers, but you're burning calories anyway. So it's not 260 extra. It's just 260 during that time, which if you didn't do it, maybe it would have been a hundred. So is your net burn now 160 for that hour of working out is not going to do what you think it does. And that's why we literally started. That's probably a big reason you started because everyone is trying to work off their body fat. And it Mm -hmm. just like, when are you going to stop trying that and really change the way you eat? Because it's been 30 years. It's been 40 years. When I hear people have dieted their entire life, Oh my God sucks, man. Yeah. And it's because they didn't maybe really diet physiologically. They psychologically dieted. They thought they were in a deficit and they just tried to work it off. And these machines are just trying to sell them on the caloric burn. That isn't even a reality. Of course, people are messed up about it. No one's being honest except people like us. And it hurts feeling sometimes. I get, you see it. People, oh, Mike, Mike's being a jerk about this thing. No, Mike's being honest and trying to help you. And all I can say is after seeing nearly a million pounds come off of people due to our company, tell me I'm wrong about it. I'll be oh, somebody will. Fuck, but tell me we're wrong about this thing. 
you would you would have you would have a nobel peace prize if they did but that's <laughs> it's like it, you know these fitness trackers and i'm i'm guilty i have a whoop i have an apple watch um i actually like whoops uh their method they they go off a strain i remember the first time i looked at the caloric burn from my whoop from a lifting session i think i burned like 280 calories maybe 300 calories which i was like wow that's a significant difference for my apple watch but they focus more on your strain but at the end of the day if i have i'm wearing two different fitness trackers all the time once because it's my watch one because i just like data um <laughs> and they say two completely different fucking things completely different which brings me to why do we focus on and by we i mean the people that we work with prior to working with them why are we so quick to focus when it comes to uh wanting more fat burning effect we'll say that because that's a line that people say um why do we focus on the uncontrolled variables versus the controlled variables so much the uncontrolled variables like for example caloric burn the controlled variables your sleep your your caloric intake uh well you can feel it that's why because mm. because you can feel it you when you work out and you bust your ass you feel it in an instant when you change the way you eat or improve your sleep you don't feel it in a in an instant it's delayed gratification versus instant and that's why the gyms and the workout programs they sell the feeling of change the nutrition and lifestyle sell the actual change man that was like that that was you should you should send that over the powers that be right there practicing no (laughs) i was like that was a great sales pitch um no i've talked about a million times right it's shit man the the fitness industry is failing everyone because Mm -hmm. and now they pretend they don't sell body improvement right it's like the cool thing oh come on get the fuck out get out of here don't tell anyone to change their body but what is peloton really selling right is peloton really selling like fit healthy lifestyle or are all their customers trying to buy a leaner body oh that's what i think uh, there's nothing wrong with it there's nothing wrong with it at all and you know i i've you should be happy you should appreciate your body at any stage that you're in right being satisfied or accepting where it is if you're unhappy with that stage there's nothing wrong with that. Like, this is where I go, work and I can get into a hole. And maybe we're going to go off on this in a minute. I don't even know where we're at on time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we're at 43 minutes. This whole movement in the industry towards not promoting weight loss, this whole movement of, uh, you know, body positivity, I have nothing wrong with that. And I'm sure I'm going to get a lot yeah. of flack for saying this. I am probably in the, in, for those of you who know me, those are your, don't, I don't want to hear it. I'm in the worst shape of my life in probably the last 15 years for me. Do I appreciate where my body is now? Absolutely. I'm a dad. I'm in my thirties. I don't work out twice a day. I don't take a shit fucking ton of steroids anymore. I'm not a competitive bodybuilder. Dude, Absolutely. you're so jacked, man. <laughs> get, get out of here. I'm, but I appreciate it. Am I happy with my current state? No. Can I improve it? Yes. Is there something wrong with me wanting to improve my current state? If you were to look at the narrative of the industry right now, they would say yes. They would say yes. That you should be, you should be, let's go into this one. You should be intuitively eating. Well, yeah. Go Mm. go ahead, Brooke. (laughs) So Bradley's probably going to have to like, you know, help me with this too. But for people who want to eat intuitively, 
I feel like someone like Bradley or yourself or me, like someone who like is very well aware of the components of foods, like we can eat intuitively and actually be able to reach our goals. But if you have never tracked in your life, if you haven't gone to school for however many years studying food and you have no fucking idea what's in all these foods, like eating intuitively I've had people come to me, hey, I tried to intuitively eat and I gained however much weight because you don't know. And if you're just relying on your intuition, that's not going to help you reach your goals. I do think there is a place for intuitive eating. And I think that um, if you are someone who has an eating disorder and things like that, I think that it's a very good approach for you. But, you know, people will do intuitive eating for weight loss. And I'm like, no, like, and I think that people have misconstrued what intuitive eating is. Do you know, am I making sense? Yeah. Because it's, we have to like define what we mean. When I, when I typically speak of intuitive eating, I mean, literal, like eating based on intuition, but then there's like the branded books and the movements and the coaches that are intuitive eating experts. And they say it's not for fat loss. It's like a framework of eating. That's not what I'm talking about. Usually I'm talking about someone who doesn't know what they mean by the intuitive eating movement. It means Mm -hmm. they just, they don't want to track because they're like, they think it's more work than it is. That could be a whole other discussion. They want it to be this semi-automatic success situation with food. And we're just not wired like that. You know, we're, we are here today as humans because we have these internal mechanisms that tell us to eat. And when we get a chance to eat, it tells us to eat more because you don't know when you're going to get more food. We're not in that world anymore. Now we're in the world where we could trip over every snack imaginable. Fortunately for many of us in this country, right? There's obviously a lot of people in the world that don't have the luxury of being overweight like we do. And then you couple that with no movement, what the hell is going to happen? We're not in a world where you can just eat based on your feelings because your feelings are lying to you. Your feelings don't know what environment you're in. You don't even know what hunger means. Most people in their lives have never actually been hungry. Yeah, They just mm-hmm. thought about food. They just wanted to fix a little reminder because we could have a big lunch right now We could all eat together and then we could see a commercial for Taco Bell. And guess what? We're going to somehow be convinced by our primitive brain that we could fit in a cheesy burrito thing and Mm -hmm. we would do it. So how? Like, we got to cut the shit. We need to pay attention to what we eat. And you have to do that for long enough where it becomes automatic and you build the framework to eat well. I'm going to bring it back. I'm going to bring it back so that since we definitely, yes, we finally went off on a tangent, but going back to how this originally started, we're talking about selling, you know, Peloton specifically, um, selling an image or the shame around wanting to be that image or the guilt that goes with I'm dieting or I'm working out because I want to, I want to look better. I want to feel better in my skin. I want to be healthier. I'm not saying that, you know, not everybody's dieting to look like, uh, what's her name? Allie Love or uh, Hannah or 
Um, what's the blonde that I always forget her name? The one that does a mental health ride? Somebody. Come on, guys. I'm oh, not I sure. I don't know. Um, the blonde, for those of you listening, you know, even, even for the men, the men that want to look like Alex, that want to look like Cody, there's nothing wrong with going, I can improve upon the way I physically look or the benefits that happen internally or the longevity that it adds to your life. If someone, if we were to look at people that want to lose weight who are unhealthy or want to lose, let's, let's, let's talk about it the way we look at like it. People that want to lose body fat, because really at the end of the day, if you weighed 130 pounds and looked like a slob, or you weighed 130 pounds and looked great, you don't care about the number of the scale. You want to lose body fat. Yeah. So if we look at that, and if we're like, if we looked at the person who wants to lose weight and we're like, oh, but you should love yourself. You shouldn't do that. Let's translate that to finances because you guys know how I love to talk about finances and weight loss. If we looked at somebody who was struggling financially and they said, I want to invest my time, my energy, and my limited resources on finances to better my financial state, would we still have the same, would the, would the entire narrative that's growing on in this industry around that, would we almost shame them for wanting to better themselves? No, 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 probably not. It's, it's so what, what is wrong with somebody going, I don't feel happy in my own skin. I think if I was able to, I'm not saying look like a supermodel. I'm saying if I was able to get into a place where like I could move better, I could move more efficiently. You can play with your kids. I could play with my kids. I could feel like it's safe and for me to go enjoy, uh, a scoop of ice cream without feeling guilt and shame around it. Um, I could, literally all those things. What is wrong with that? Nothing. I, I, I don't need, it's such a crazy topic because I can't, it's like, I know like you see these celebrities, right? You see Adele lose a bunch of weight and then mm-hmm. get shamed for it. Like yep. she left a certain club. People are mad. She left the club that they were in yep. or the other, um, oh, what's her name? The, the really funny blonde woman from uh, Pitch Perfect. Oh, yes. She lost a bunch oh, of weight. Rebel. She, is it Rebel? Rebel Wilson. She she loses a bunch of weight and people get really mad at her about it. And it's like, well, but why? Like you, it's, she feels better. She's happier. She's not encouraging people to do something they don't want to do. So if you don't want to do it, that is completely fine with me. I'm not going to shame you and call you unhealthy or whatever. That's you do whatever you want to do. But for people that are coming to people like us and they say, I want to improve this thing for this reason, we're going to help them do it. And we're going to improve their relationship with food. And we have stats on that. Like that's yes. the thing that kind of there's data right now. They're like the people that are anti-diet are, are running around judging people on something they may have never done, which is these people maybe never ate 1200 calories. They just said they did for 20 years. It's Mm -hmm. not the diet only it's the perception of the dieter. Let's meet in the middle and see who the real, the real villain is. It's not the diet industry. It's that people don't really know what they're doing and people like us can show them the light. You said, let's talk about the real villain of the diet industry. This was even on, just so you guys know, I have like a rough script that I follow with most of these podcasts. So we kind of segue into other things. Um, let's, you said the real villain and you said it, you need another comment. It's, I, I'm going to butcher this, but you're like, we're not, I don't know if it's, we're not shaming you or we're not like going to you and we're not, we're not trying to attack you for not wanting to lose some weight. 
You want to know who is, though? Hey, busy mom. Hey, hun. All the multi-level fucking marketing fucks. Sorry. That just got me fired up. And I was going to say, those people... And this is my, this is talking about the industry and like where it's going and where it should be and where it's going. If you ask, if you go on Facebook, any of you that, you know, if most of you probably aren't listening that are still in high school, but all of us at least have one person on our Facebook feed that is selling Arbonne, Herbalife, Isogenics, uh, one of those things. Right. And someone like myself, someone like Mike, someone like Brooke, I'll even extend it. Someone like Jason Falcon, someone like Esther Avant. Um, I'm trying to think that there's one more name I'm forgetting. Um, Sanan, Sanan, not a single one of us that look at the data of this industry that want to help those that want help in this industry. None of us are going after people that aren't asking for help. Anybody that we bring on the podcast that I talk to, I'm sure that, that Mike talks to on a regular basis that are in this industry. When it comes to offering our expert advice, it is because it has been asked for. It is not going out and look, if you look at my Facebook page and you're my friend and you happen to go through my feed and all my feed is a certain narrative that's pushing towards a quote unquote healthier lifestyle in terms of if we were to take your body fat analysis, I'm not talking about your mental health. I'm talking about actual physiological analysis of your body and all my feed is pushing you towards that. You're you're subscribing to that. You're you're agreeing that you I'm not I'm not badgering, I'm not saying your DMs, I'm not calling you, I'm not telling you that you should be this way. I'm just here's my that opinion on this point. Things. That yeah. is a good point. Cause I've had someone come to our stronger you page and say we're promoting diet culture because we had someone I forget how we worded a certain post, but basically talking about trading one food for another. So it was more like uh, a better like a budget. Yeah, a simple swap. You're promoting diet culture and it's someone that just came across our page from whoever, not a follower that we're talking to. So it's just, I feel like that word is just being abused diet culture. It's like these people want to change and we're going to change them if they want it. And we're going to improve their relationship with food and themselves. And here's the proof that we're doing that. Tell us, tell us we're wrong. I don't know why it's such a weird thing right now. It's the word ready. The word diet is a bad word. The word, the word fat, which I'm not even talking about as a descriptor, just the word fat in and of itself yeah. is a bad word. I'm sorry to break it to you, but like, that's it's just, just it's, it's just a thing. There's, there's the, there's the noun and there's the adjective. Adjective. Did I say that? Yeah. Adjective. There we go. Hello grammar. Um, but like, yeah, diet culture, the word diet. Why is that a bad word? You know, if we look at it, this brings me to my last thing. I'm going to go into it real quick, but I think diet has a bad, as a bad rap, because when we think of diet, what are the things we think of? We think of the extremes. We think of things like, you know, eliminating whole portions of food, starving yourself. Uh, the, what was the, what's the one, the cayenne pepper shit that was really popular. Oh my God. Wasn't that like Beyonce or something? (laughs) Yeah. Things like that. Yeah. You know what? I would think diet's a bad word too. Fat burners, fat burners. The amount of people that ask about what's the best fat burning food? <laughs> One less spoonful of food. <laughs> Thank you. I, you guys, my, I literally, I feel like I was convulsing. I was like, there's no fucking good fat burning food. Grapefruit yeah. is not a fat burning food. MCT oil is not a fat burning food. Butter in your coffee is not fucking oh, fat burning. That is my, that is my favorite <sighs> thing Oof. is when, 
when bulletproof coffee was more of a thing. It's still, it still looms in our industry, it but does. not as much as it used Too to. Much. The funny thing used to be when someone would say this, <laughs> literally this 400 calorie coffee cocktail is helping me burn fat. Yeah. Literally <sighs> because you're eating fat. When you yeah. eat more fat, you're going to burn fat, but it's not body fat. You're burning what you just ate or utilizing what you just ate. It's going to go up and down all day long. It's about the net amount over time. So yeah, you want 400 calories of fat in your coffee? I I I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't um, know how to like say it. I feel like we've gone on a tangent, but um, I'm just going to bring it's it back. Full, it is a good tangent. I'll bring it back full circle though. Um, so in terms of diet being a bad word, I think we can all of us here, most of you listening could probably agree that what we, we as an industry, for those of us that are in, let's say the nutrition aspect of the industry with, a, with the goal in mind to help people, the word diet is essentially helping promote somebody to go into a caloric deficit. If we are going to make it really basic is to the proper ways to put you in a caloric deficit, because that is what's going to help you be a healthier person internally i'm not talking about anything else like your body will be happier there's a reason we have you know certain metrics that determine overweight underweight a healthy weight they can be different somebody like if i step on the scale at my height and my weight it shows me i'm overweight if we look at my muscle mass and my body for percentage i'm obviously not overweight but there's reasons that you know we in this industry we have to use the word diet. The word diet culture, I'm sorry, that's kind of a silly phrase. I understand what we're saying, but we're talking about a very, um, when we say diet culture, we're talking about a small sector of the industry that is that is predatory, um, that, that they're, going to, right. they're going to feed off of your pain and your fears. For what we do, when we say things like promoting you know, higher protein diets, promoting movement, promoting um, not putting butter in your coffee, unless you genuinely, <laughs> unless you genuinely enjoy that weird film that comes over your coffee, by all means do your thing. <laughs> I think that's fucking disgusting. There's reasons that experts in this industry will really harp on things like focusing on macronutrients. That's, and that's a step forward. There's a lot of people that if you just put them, if they have, if their baseline is 2,200 calories a day and you give them, you feed them 1800 calories a day, they're going to, they're going to lose weight. Absolutely. They're going to be in a caloric deficit. But if we say, okay, great. Now you're kind of, you're hitting a plateau before we stop feeding you 1800 calories and we take away more calories from you. Why don't we give you a protein target? There's reasons things like that work because at the end of the day, what we do is much more sustainability focused. It's not to rid you of your fun. It's not to rid you of your snacks. It's to show you a much more sustainable way for you to achieve the goals that you want that, which is at the end of the day, and keep it and keep it off. But at the end of the day, what we promote with all our posts, whether we get paid or not from anybody that reads it, that doesn't make a difference. What we promote is hopefully to make you or give you the tools to feel better in your own skin. That's it. That's the diet culture that we get dragged through for quote unquote promoting all day, every day is to try to help people feel better in their own damn skin. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's, that's it. It's such a controversial thing right now. And I don't even get into the arguments with people because I'm too busy helping people that want to change. 
Brooke, Brooke got dragged pretty bad on Peloton Nutrition. Oh, please. I'm still ago. recovering from that. I remember. Yeah, I, yeah I was, that was pretty bad. Anyway, let's wrap it up, guys. We actually kept this to an hour. Um, Mike, why don't you go ahead? Um, thank you guys all for listening. Mike, where can everybody find you on social media? Plug everything. Oh, everything? Every? No. Um, Your personal address? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> Which I may, I may post out there eventually again because I do a toy drive every year. So people send me, they literally mail me toys and then I donate them locally. Um, so my members have my address. No one showed up and asked for more carbs yet, which is nice. Um, <laughs> but yeah, at, at Mike Dola um, or at StrongerU page, StrongerU.com. Um, I'm all over the place. Message me if you have questions. Love to talk about this shit. So. Brooke, go for it. Plug all your stuff. So you can find me on Instagram at wellbalanced with Brooke and also foodie without a cause is my food account. Um, so I'm posting all different places in Connecticut and New York City. Those are my two places that I visit a lot. Um, and I also have another account where I do post when I do go into abandoned buildings, Brooklyn Rose and the two O's in Brooklyn are zeros. Uh, so that's where you could find me and also on Facebook. Just be careful in those buildings. I'm, I am. <laughs> I've been doing less of it. <laughs> no, I know. I know. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Uh, for those of you listening, Mike Will is a regular. Uh, we will have him back. If you guys ever have any uh, topics that you want us to cover, uh, especially with Mike or with Brooke, they are regulars on the podcast. Please don't hesitate to message me, message them, send us an email. We would love to hear you. Thank you all so much. We will see you guys in two weeks uh, on a Monday. Take care, everybody. Hey, everybody, and thank you for listening to another podcast. For more things MBS, you can always find us on Facebook by searching my name, Bradley Goldman, or you can go to facebook.com backslash NBS by BSSF. You can find us on Instagram at NBS by BSSF. And of course, remember, always do something over nothing and focus on progress over perfection. And we'll talk to you guys next time.